When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Brandon from Crowbot, and you're tuned into Jay Scott on the Hook Rock. Hey there, I used to make a whiskey as brown as your eyes. They say Welcome back. It's Jay Scott. It's the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for stopping by once again and listening to what we got going on here. Always uh, appreciate it. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary uh, over the past weekend with Stephen Piercy. So check that interview out. And uh, as well as some other interviews we've recently done with Mark Tremonti, Todd Damakerns, and Joe Satriani. And some new bands, too, as well. Some new music spotlights. Fast Eddie, Band Inc. We've had Stone Broken. And we've had Martin Reed with MTR Project. Check out those great new music spotlights as well as others. And some great music commentary as well. We just finished an episode with Professor Skylab at Skylab Tapes on Twitter. He's our resident audio expert. We checked out or we talked about how to improve your acoustics in your house and how to get a better sound uh, from your speakers by pl- speaker placement and speaker movement. So check out that great episode. It, uh, it's definitely hits with a lot of people. A lot of people are always trying to maximize what they're doing with their own home audio system. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, great network of music-related podcasts. Check out my friends on that network, like Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast, as well as Mistress Carrie out in Boston. 
Tom and Zeus, the Great Kiss Podcast, Aaron and Chris on Decibel Geek, Mac on the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast out in the UK, as well as Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian. Don't forget uh, to search up Pantheon Pods on all social media platforms and PantheonPodcast.com. And don't forget to switch to search up The Hook Rocks wherever you podcast, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and every platform where you do podcasts, we are available. And follow us or find us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And write us a review. Tell us what you think of the shows you've been listening to. We've got a great show for you this evening. We've got another new music spotlight with a man that uh, I've been really enjoying since I got turned on to him a couple weeks ago. And glad to have them on and glad to talk with them and learn more about them. I'd like to welcome in Joe Mansman from Joe Mansman and the Midnight Revival Band. What's hanging on, man? What's going on? What's going on, Jay? Thanks so much, man, for having me on your show. Hey, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, always like to discuss new bands and have new bands featured on the show. We do about four of these a month. We think we're either at or approaching or maybe past 150 New Music Spotlights. So glad to have you on. Glad to kind of continue what we do and uh, learn more about you, as I said. Well, I appreciate it, man. Well, we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the show, and that is really what this podcast is all about, just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, When I was... Let's see, about 11 years old, maybe. Um, my older brother, he had given me um, a tape. And uh, that tape was called, I don't know who the band was at the time, but on the tape, uh, you know, in his handwriting, it said, uh, Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. And uh, I listened to it. And, um, you know, I, I loved uh, every song. And uh, I, I came to learn later on that that band was called Stone Temple Pilots. And uh, I, I got deeper into their uh, into their catalog, and I couldn't believe just how different uh, you know each album sounded. It's almost like they had it, it sounded like they had a different singer each time. And uh, Scott Weiland was just so phenomenal and had a massive influence on me, and uh, made me want to play music. And um, you know, shortly after that, I got into bands like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. And uh, you know, the first record I ever bought when I was a kid with my own money was Yield by Pearl Jam. And, um, you know, Soundgarden and, you know, Nirvana, like a lot of those, those Seattle bands and, uh, you know, those early grunge bands just had a, a massive, massive, uh, uh, you know, influence on me as a kid. And, uh, you know, at that point, I just I didn't care about school. I didn't care about uh, about anything. I just wanted to, you know, learn how to play guitar and play music. What happened next? What uh, what drove you to pick up an instrument? Um, <clears throat> when I was in middle school. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'd made some friends who, uh, you know, were, were just starting out learning how to play instruments. And I had a buddy who, uh, lived down the road from me who had just started playing guitar. Uh, his name was Josh in case Josh, you ever listening. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, you know, I, I would go over to his house and hang out and like, listen to him play. And, and, uh, you know, he taught me, uh, my first couple of chords. And, um, after that, I, I, I begged my parents to, to buy me a guitar and they did. And, um, you know, I played for a couple of years, never got very good at it. Um, 
ended up uh, learning how to play a bass, got pretty good at that. And uh, we, we, Josh and I started our first band and, um, you know, we played like church cafes and, uh, you know, high school talent shows and things like that. And uh, uh, I don't know. I just, I, you know, all my friends, you know, they went on to start careers, go to college, do all those things. I, you know, I decided not to go to college. When I finished school, I, I wanted to be on the road. I wanted to be in a band and I wanted to do it seriously. So, um, you know, I was the only person in my group of friends, my family, anybody that I knew that just had more drive than anybody to want to take music to the next level and do, you know, um, semi-professionally and, you know, uh, you know, to the best of my ability. And I, to this day, I've just never stopped. Was there a performance? I mean, obviously you started the band, but was there really a performance that you may have seen that elevated your motivation to get on stage? You know, was it, was there an act? Was there a concert that you saw that, you know, kind of kept leading the way for you? Yeah. uh, So I had, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd gone to, you know, friends shows and shows and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I've seen, you know, friends and neighbors, high school friends and everything playing in their local bands around the corner. But my first real concert experience was actually Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, uh, just seeing this is when they're on their uh, the, the Californication album cycle. Uh, so I, I, I caught them during a pretty good time, at least, you know, in my life. Um, I, I was too young for the, the, the 90s um, for them. But um, <clears throat> I saw that show uh, in my hometown of Saratoga at the time. And I was blown away just by the stage antics and the gimmicks and uh, the costumes. And, um, you know, that, that kind of just, uh, that gave me an appreciation for, uh, you know, rock music as, uh, you know, being theatrical. And uh, shortly after that, I saw Bon Jovi at the same venue. And uh, that was different because now I was seeing, a, you know, a band that was, you know, iconic from a, another era and they did things different, but the same. And, um, you know, it was, Really, I mean, those two shows when I was a kid, I was, I, I was maybe 14, 15 years old when I saw those bands playing. Like I said, I just, I, you know, I stole a lot of their chops. I, you know, borrowed a lot of their moves. And to this day, I'm, I'm still, still pushing it. When you think back of those two concerts that you went to, you know, those are very recognizable names. Like you said, you know, different styles, different periods of rock music. Was there a sense from you like I need to step step up my game if I want to get to where I need to go like this is this is kind of showing me what I need to do uh definitely I've always been uh pretty hyper aware of um you know uh image and uh and things like that like when when you're playing in a band and uh I was always surprised that you know my friends' bands weren't as aware of that as I was sometimes. And, uh, you know, how Im- important branding was, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, a graphic designer as well. So, uh, you know, everything from, you know, the color choices that you use on, on album artwork and, uh, the way that a group looks in a photograph, you know, all those things were always, I was always super aware of, and, um, you know, always introduced those elements into whatever band I was in at the time. And, um, you know, uh, recording quality, for example, you know, like when I, you know, when I first 
stepped into my first real recording studio and cut a track and heard something that was grade A quality versus something that was basement quality. You know, I, I never looked back. I never did anything subpar quality again, you know? So I, I've always uh, been really into that world. And, uh, and like I say, the, the branding of a musical artist and, and how that all works and how it all makes uh, like a, the story come, come to life, I guess. I think about the conversation I just had with Stephen Piercy and he, and he talked about I it. I listened to that yesterday, actually. Oh, Great thank interview. you. Thank you. One of the things that we talked about um, during that interview was during the documentary that's out about his life and about the band was him being in, in, in going up to L.A. and sitting on the, st- uh, on the stage with Van Halen performing at Cazares. And then coming back down to San Diego and kind of rallying his bandmates, rallying the troops like, hey, I just saw this band that is going to be huge, going to be big. We need to we need to really step it up. You know, like we really need to, like, do more than what we're doing. And it was that moment that just clicked for him because he saw these guys on stage. And, you know, you're a musician. You know what what it takes with the work that you need to put in. And, you know, there's that level that you need to reach in terms of, of, of getting there. I think Dave Lee Roth was once quoted that you need to play so many thousands of hours of live music before you're ready. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how you quantify that, but just that sense that you had, you know, seeing those bands and kind of like getting it, kind of knowing that, Hey, you know what? I could, be playing these local pubs and local places if I want to do it. But if I really want to go where I want to go, I need to, I need to really put that time in and really put that effort in. There is a lot to be said about that. I, uh, I'm a big Beatles fan and uh, you know, I, I appreciate their story so much, especially uh, the, the older that I get. And, you know, when they were playing clubs in Hamburg, you know, in, in strip clubs for, eight hours a day, sometimes, you know, broken up into four hour segments or whatever. Uh, you know, that's the, the, you know, they always said that that's what made them good, um, was playing live, uh, as much as they did. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything other than that, really. They just, they, they, they were together all the time. So you have that mixed with the camaraderie of being together with your bandmates all the time that, you know, the chemistry that that created where everybody was on the same, same wavelength afterwards. Um, and what you said earlier about how many hours you got to put in i I did read about that you know it's like ten thousand hours of like of playing is when you finally become good they say um and uh, i i do uh agree with all of that i um uh, i was actually just recapping with my band uh the other day how we've played you know everything from dives to churches to you know, hotels to shipping containers, you know, I mean, we took every gig that we possibly could because, you know, constantly working was super important uh, to me, not only just, you know, because it was the thing to do being in a band, but because I also knew that spending that time with my bandmates and being on a shared mission together, um, you know, connects you in a way that, um, you know, you don't share that with a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you know, that's something that, um, you only have with the people that are uh, sharing that mission together and creating that art together. So um, yeah, big, 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 big believer in that. And uh, 
I, I still am. We, uh, you know, we still do those things. <laughs> so I feel like uh, once you're satisfied, then, then maybe that's when you should probably retire. As far as songwriting goes and, and writing lyrics, you know, there's that evolution of who you are. You know, you start out getting hooked on rock music and start to exploring these bands and hearing different stuff. And you see a live act, you see your first concert, you know, you want to get up on stage, you're playing your instruments. And then it becomes writing a song. Was there a song in particular that resonated with you that made you want to write lyrics that can connect with people and, and write about your observations and write about your experiences? Uh, yeah. Um, the first time I ever heard, uh, down in a hole by Allison chains, um, I was watching, um, their MTV unplugged performance. And at the time I didn't know a whole lot about that band or their history. I just, you know, I, I often just, you know, threw that show on when it, when I knew it was coming on and I would just, you know, kind of let the music play while I was in my room drawing or something. And, uh, I connected with that song um, because uh, the, of the, and the lyrics. I mean, um, it sounds like, you know, he was going through hell. And, uh, you know, later on, obviously, you know, it's, it, it became well known that he had a, a massive, um, you know, drug problem. And, and that, that whole album, Dirt, was really uh, kind of like uh, his, his version of a trip through hell because of that. And, um, but it, yeah, it was that song though that that kind of um, introduced me to uh, like emotional lyrical like lyric writing. Yeah. When you do write, is it about connecting with an experience? Is it observation? Is it a story you want to tell? Uh, where do you find your motivation for writing lyrics? Um, there's a lot of different. Uh, areas that I draw from. I, uh, you know, I've, I do have, uh, you know, in this band, we've got a massive catalog. Um, and, uh, I can look back on definitely a handful of my songs and say, yeah, I wrote this about a very uh, particular subject and nothing else. And then there's other songs where, um, you know, I look back and I knew that I had written a song about one situation but then as the years went on and I became older, that song took on a different meaning and now meant something different for me. Um, I think that's, you know, what it's like even for the single that we just put out for Take It Easy. You know, I, I wrote that song. Uh, you know, we, we all wrote this song a couple of years ago, but didn't really flesh it out until the, the latter half of uh, this past year. And um, during that time, I didn't ever have completed lyrics for it, but um, I was going through a pretty tough separation uh with my wife of seven years and uh that kind of inspired me to um to finish the song and uh and that's what it meant to me then and and still does in 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 you know in most ways but uh we've also during that time you know we went through a lot of lineup changes you know we we lost uh two drummers we you know uh we went uh through a bass player and um that was kind of uh, how that song reconnected with me in a different way because it was like saying, take it easy to other people that you loved and, you know, that you sort of shared a marriage with in some way because they were connected to, you know, to your baby, your band. And um, so take it easy, like that, that song took on a different meaning and not, not just to me, but now that song took on a meaning to everybody else in my band who didn't write the lyrics, you know? So 
uh, yeah, that, that, that's how songwriting really works for me. Um, I kind of just allow it in, in my heart and in my head to, to evolve and, and mean different things as time goes on. Is it difficult for you to kind of tap into a, a negative experience or a bad experience in your life? Yeah, sometimes uh, I'm not really uh, great at uh, articulating my feelings in the moment with, you know, uh, with uh, things as they're, you know, as they're happening, I guess. But uh, when I've got some time to to sit down and, and write my thoughts out and, uh, you know, when I start singing the words that I'm writing, things like that, then then it's really easy for me. Um, and it's. Uh, it's it's not it's not hard for my band even to catch on and um i mean these guys know me so well that you know if if i came up with a, a hook of some kind with a lyric that maybe uh you know means something to me they they often catch on with with the emotion of that and and they drive it home for me and you know yeah that that's that's how that works in our band <laughs> so putting together this band you obviously had a, a sound in your head that you wanted to capture you know how was this band formulated how was this band put together so um my brother alex who uh is uh one of our guitar players he and i have played in and out of bands for years and years uh must be close to 20 years now and um he had he had quit music for a while and, and moved away and um, moved to Virginia for a while. And, uh, and he, he was out of a band for, for years. I, I had kept playing, but when he finally, uh, decided that he wanted to pick up music again, you know, he, he had told me that like he, he had this hole in his heart that was really missing. And so he and I actually just, <clears throat> we, we started writing songs that would eventually turn into this band. And, um, we knew my keys player, Chris just uh, as a, a friend in the music scene and we really you know we respected just how great of a player he was and um you know he himself is a phenomenal songwriter too and um so it was, it was the three of us and, and we we started this band and uh we went through a couple of different name changes and um you know we finally settled on you know our current name um and uh this was uh 2014 maybe and um yeah, we just we we picked up every show that we could. We played everywhere we possibly could. We we recorded our first EP. It was called Too Far Gone, and uh, it was uh, definitely more in the vein of uh, blues and country and outlaw rock and roll. Um, that's just what I was listening to at the time, and um, I uh, I wrote a handful of those tunes that the bands uh, uh, then just kind of helped develop, and then. Um, we got deeper into that world, uh, a year later and we put out an album called Bastard. And, uh, that was definitely, um, on the heavier side, but it had a really, um, deep, uh, you know, st still really deep country influence in there. And, uh, um, that was actually kind of a thematic record for me. I, you know, we can talk about that another time if you want, but, um, and, uh, we, we toured on that for a little bit. Uh, put out a four a four track EP after that, which slowly started changing uh, into um, hair metal glam rock. We started drawing from that world, and then uh, a year after that, I mean, we were uh, you know we we got dollars. Uh, our our one of our current guitar players, and um, 
he kind of took that to a next level. He was, uh, he's, you know, super influenced by bands like Skid Row, you know, and brought a lot of that flavor to the band. And, uh, by 2019, we were very heavy invested in, in, you know, the whole sleaze rock, glam rock, hair metal world. And, and that's just kind of where we took the bands to this day. I mean, we, we dabble in both worlds. Um, and we're even doing things that are even different than that. Now, I wouldn't say that we're complete chameleons when it comes to songwriting, but, um, you can hear, um, influences from, you know, all of those worlds that I just described, uh, even on some of the newer material right now that we're going to be putting out soon. When you're putting together, you know, this band and you're trying to capture music and you're trying to capture a tone, you mentioned, you know, some different styles and influences. How does, how does the band develop organically for you guys? Like, you know, you, you ended up here with, you know, a lot of sleaze lock, you know, sleaze rock influence and a lot of different other influence as well. And they all seem to kind of mesh. And, and you really don't come from that world because, as you stated, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains were you very, were, you know, were, you, were your beginnings in, in looking at music and capturing music. So how do you end up, how does that evolve for you guys? Well, uh, I'm glad that you just mentioned those bands again. I mean, because those bands came from that world. So, right. Even though I was, I was influenced by, uh, you know, the early grunge movement, um, those bands came out of hair metal and sleaze metal and, and, uh, underground punk rock. And, um, you know, so even, even those bands, um, uh, maybe it's a subconscious thing. I, I don't know, but listening to those bands and being influenced by those bands seems kind of natural that I would gravitate towards uh that era you know the the era before them um but really a lot of it has to do with chemistry you know i mean we hang out all the time my bandmates and i and we share music with each other all the time and if one person is drawn to something brand new you know a new album or something you know we often pop it in in the van and listen to it together and um you know it's not hard for us to like we, we don't often disagree on what we think sounds cool and what doesn't but um everybody just kind of brings that flavor to the band. And, and, and we're, we're also about trying anything too. You know, if somebody uh, who's into, I don't know, uh, you know, seventies pop or something, you know, really wants to try something, uh, you know, in a songwriting session, we don't, you know, we're not naysayers. We just, we all do it. We try everything and, and whatever sticks just sticks. You know, we, we just like doing what, what feels great for us and what connects with us. And, uh, and if people like it, that's, that's amazing. And we're, and, you know, we're grateful for it, but you know, that's, that's our world. And um, a lot of it just has to do with uh, chemistry between, between one another. It's, it's always interesting how that, how the sound of a band develops, you know, how, how you capture it, how you go in those, those directions. I mean, yeah, you, you see life differently, obviously, as you get older, you know, I mean, different things inspire you, um, right. you know, uh, you, you, you learn harder lessons, <laughs> um, you know, uh, especially doing, you know, the, the music thing, you know, um, you know, being an unsigned band and trying to go DIY, do as much as you can on your own, you know, you learn to, you know, uh, uh, to say, you know, screw you. You mean to, to a lot of things that you, uh, you idolized, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, like, I think maybe it's an age thing too. Yeah, you, you know, it's 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 interesting how, you know, the, the sound develops organically. Was this, you know, when you put this together, was is this the sound that you were 
going for? Was it, or was it just, Hey, you know, let's see when we put all these musicians in a room, what we come out with. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can definitely say this was the sound that we were going for. Yes. Um, but um, I say that because uh, that sound at first developed naturally, you know, it wasn't what we were going to go for when we first dabbled in that world. But um, when we became pretty good at it, then yeah, we, we developed it. You know, when we write songs, sometimes we sit on those songs for a year or two um, and they get rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. I mean, uh, take it easy. You know, I, I think we've got maybe seven demos of that song all with different drummers and different bass players. And uh, you know um, and those songs just develop over time and get rearranged differently um, because you go through life. And, you know, like we talked about earlier playing live, you know, when you start playing, playing those out live and you see how other people connect with them and um, you see what impact that that has on the room that you're playing, then, then uh, you do things a little different because, Hey, maybe you captured this one moment live at this one show you played and you know, you want to try and repeat that in the studio somehow. <laughs> so, you know, you experiment until you, uh, until you can, but yeah, like I said, sometimes we just, we sit on material sometimes for years and years, other songs come out real quickly. And sometimes we'll actually, you know, right before we logged onto this call, actually the band was in, a, in, in rehearsal uh, in writing mode. And, you know, we were, we were writing something that just came very naturally and developed out of nowhere. And then there's other things, like I said, that just sometimes takes years what I really enjoy about the band is the hooks, you know, and, and the music that I have heard from you guys. Um, it seems like a lot of bands that are coming out forget the hook, forget the, the thing that pulls you in. And, you know, listening to the music that I've listened to, the guys, I, I do enjoy being kind of captured by, by music again. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. Um, thank you so much. It's a, it's a very, uh, very nice compliment. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, we listen to a lot of pop, pop music, uh, too. And, um, you know, I understand that I, I, I know my place as a singer and, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, I might not always have, uh, you know, a raspy, uh, growly rock voice. I don't know. I, I sing, I just sing the way that I sing and it <laughs> just, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you just be land, you land a gem, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, um, you know, with the, with the material that we've been putting out at least the past couple of years, you know, we, we seem to be doing better at hitting all the markers. Sure. As far as do it yourself, you mentioned, you know, being DIY and putting out music, the days of big record contracts are few and far between, especially for the, you know, the oh, rock and roll fun. genre. Yeah. And I almost at the point where I'm, I, the way I look at it is you don't really need a big record deal to do what you want. I mean, when you think of bands that are out there today, the one that comes to mind is Dirty Honey. Dirty Honey doesn't have a record, record contract. They're all do it yourself. Um, we were just talking about Dirty Honey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when you really kind of get into it, the most important thing is to have good people around you management, publicists, other people that care about you as a band and care about your songs and your music, that they're all working towards the same goal. You know, when sometimes when you have a record contract, that record company isn't necessarily working with you. Sometimes they even work against you. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you have a management team that's vested in you or 
publicist that's vested in you, um, it makes a huge, huge difference in this crazy world of rock music. Definitely. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, streaming changed everything obviously. And, uh, yeah, bands definitely don't make millions anymore. We understand that for sure. And, you know, we're, we've, we've played enough, enough gigs on the road where we walked away with 25 bucks. I mean, we walked away with nothing. I mean, um, barely enough to throw into a gas tank and feed everybody. But, um, in the end it was, you know, labor of love and, and, and that's okay. But, um, you definitely need to rely on a team. Uh, if you definitely have uh, a handful of people that um, believe in your music enough that they're willing to, you know, maybe invest financially, maybe, um, you know, flyer the town up for you. Maybe they can help you sell tickets to a local show or something. All that stuff matters in the end. And uh, we, we can definitely say that, um, you know, whatever small success that we've enjoyed as a band was largely due in part to the team that we surrounded ourselves with for sure. Yeah, that's a huge thing. You know, I, I hear stories from a lot of bands that, you know, get that record deal and the music never comes out. And it's a you know disagreement between the record company. The record company wants more songs. They want, quote unquote, better songs. And they own your music and they kind of tell you what to do and they can decide whether or not to release it. I can't imagine putting the, the time and the effort in and having that happen. And, you know, when, it, when a young band does ask me, you know, what they should be doing or, listen, you know, I'm on this side of the fence for a reason. I don't know the music business. You know, I know a lot about it, but I don't know the, the real ins and outs. But, you, you know, I always say don't chase that record deal. Look for a good management company to really help you. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to work hard for you for sure. There's like a, um, there's a term for that. Um, I heard once, uh, I think it's called the tyranny of space is what, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I recalled reading a story about, um, uh, Taylor Swift and when she was first, uh, you know, uh, gaining some heat when she, uh, when she signed, uh, to a major label, how, um, at the same time, the label was signing up as many, you know, female pop singer songwriters as they could, um, for the, the, the explicit purpose of, uh, putting their records on hold. That way she could rise to the top with no competition. And that happens to a lot of groups, uh, especially smaller ones. Um, and they don't even realize it. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of times there is a, there is a danger to that. Um, and we've, we've done a couple of one-offs here and there with, uh, you know, indie labels and, uh, you know, uh, managed managers. <laughs> um, so we learned our lesson, but nothing, nothing's really ever come back to like bite us in the ass. But, um, that, yeah, that does happen. It's, it's crazy. Um, bands definitely are, uh, more at an advantage, uh, going the DIY route and, uh, educating themselves as much as possible on, using uh you know all this new stuff we have in 2022 like zoom and you know podcasting um you know learning how to record record your own records uh you know plus i i'd like to think that um you know if if you were about if you were a label and you were going to sign a band you'd want to see that that band put the investment in themselves pretty heavily before you even gave them a chance i mean wouldn't you want to put your money 
you know, into something that's kind of already proven that it works, you know? Correct. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I think is underappreciated about the emerging rock scene, the bands that are making music is the grind that they have to go through for very little payoff in terms of the big record contracts that were put out years ago. Bands really have to be a touring entity in order for them to really grow an audience. They have to be savvy on social media, of course, but they also have to get out and play. And there was, you know, there's been the point or the point's been made that it used to be the tour supported the album years ago. Now the Mm -hmm. album supports the tour basically. Uh, And what's lost on a lot of rock bands, especially my age is yes, rock bands have always gone through a grind. It's been, you know, whether it was the sunset strip and staple flyers to telephone poles and all living under, you know, a studio apartment and, you know, eating the, uh, you know, whatever they were eating, lack of foods or whatever. Yes. Bands have struggled forever, but now I really truly think that the guys that put the grind in the bands that put the grind in, and those are the ones that, that are, first of all, like you said, aware of what's happening, knowing what they have to do, but also really love what they're doing. Like really at the root of their soul, love what they're doing. Yeah. And that's like what, why we, you know, earlier when we were talking about, you know, teams, like that's why it's, it's really important to get everybody on the same team, you know, because who is willing to put in that amount of effort and sacrifice unless you all had a, a shared goal of some kind that everybody believed in. Um, you know, we've, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, we, we still do this where, you know, we, we go out for a run and, uh, you know, Oh, we, we don't make any money. Sometimes we don't sell a single t-shirt. Sometimes we, you know, play to rooms of five people. Um, it just is what it is, but you do it because, uh, one, you know, it's important to keep a regular working schedule. Um, and two, um, uh, it's, it's, it's what makes a band tighter in the end is having those shared experiences together. You know, we, we laugh all the time about, you know, this or that show that we played in this part of the country or that part of the country and how, and, you know, and how awful it was, but what we did after the show and like you're creating memories together, um, doing something that you all love to do, even when, you know, you have a couple of one-offs here and there that weren't very rewarding. You know, we tell ourselves all the time that, uh, when we, when we would go out and play shows, um, you know, that show has to meet, you know, one of, uh, several different criterias for us, you know, to make us happy. Either one, you know, like, uh, it's got an audience that we think is really going to dig us, you know, uh, and that's the primary reason. But two, you know, if, if we can break even, make a little bit of money, you know, so that we're not stone broke afterwards, that's, that's a, a, another really good reason. Um, but sometimes we just go out and play those shows because you just know, hell, I'm going to have a really good time just being with my brothers for the day, for the night, you know, for a couple of days. And, uh, and, and you do it for that reason. But yeah, the grind sometimes is, uh, is pretty crazy. And I definitely, um, you know, when I talk to younger bands and, uh, and they ask me for advice, I tell them all the time, play whatever you can play, uh, as long as you can do it. Um, you know, if it makes you happy, but eventually learn how to like do these things on your own, you know, learn how to 
book your own shows, learn how to create your own EPKs. You know, like you, you only get better by putting in the work, even if that means you don't sleep for a night. You know, if that means, hell, you got home from a show at five o'clock in the morning, you got to be to work at seven. You know, you just, you, you got to put that work in while you can. So. As far as the music goes with you guys, you, you know, you had the, the song, take it easy, come out. What uh, is in store for this year uh, for music this year and beyond? So uh, take it easy is actually, um, so it's the, <clears throat> the first song that we've uh, put out into the world uh, in, in a year. Uh, we, we put out a record last year called Renegade and uh, we played on that for, for a while. Um, and we did some shows with uh, Warrant and Dokken that were great shows. And uh, we, um, we started recording um, uh, our first full length um, last fall. And, uh, and we're still, we're still working on this, but the idea is to try to have out, uh, have a full length out by, um, maybe mid September and then get on the road in late September. Okay, you know, we're, we're fortunate that, uh, that take it easy was, uh, uh, a, a great song to reintroduce the bands to, to people and maybe introduce us for the first time to others like yourself. Um, so we're fortunate that the song is doing pretty well for us, you know, maybe, uh, it, it uh, I think it's a great introduction to uh, what we're going to be offering um, in September to people. Yeah, it's a great tune. Um, in terms of that full length, mid-September, kind of getting on the road, is it, you know, are you going to be playing certain areas? Are you going to be trying to get across the country? What are your plans there? Uh, we're going to try and get across the country. Uh, we don't have uh, a solidified touring schedule that's currently uh, in the works. Um, we're just... Um, the shows are being booked and uh, there might be a couple of um, uh, one-offs here and there, uh, you know, maybe a couple of festival appearances. Uh, all of that stuff, we're honestly, we're, we're unsure uh, how it's going to land. We just know that it will happen. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so those things are, are, you know, are being booked as we speak. So we'll see. Uh, the idea is to try and, uh, you know, uh, go south and out to the Midwest and um, introduce ourselves to uh, to people who Never, never heard of our band. When you think of the album last year and the one that you've been working on, the full length album, you know, where is the growth of the band? What, what, what should people anticipate for the new record? Uh, well, <clears throat> we, uh, we solidified uh, a new lineup uh, a couple months back. And um, uh, this album is definitely going to be uh, a little more, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely gonna be heavier. It's gonna be more, uh, more in the sleaze rock direction than how we did on a renegade record. Um, it's, uh, the songs are definitely, uh, 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 they've got more glitter. <laughs> I guess that, that's all I can say about them. They've, they've definitely got more, more shine to them. Awesome, man. Well, look forward to it. Look forward to the new music and, uh, thanks for doing this interview. Hey man, I appreciate it. And thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, it's cool what you're doing for, for unknown bands and, uh, you know, on behalf of everybody, you know, that does this with you, you know, uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, man. And can't wait to hear the new tunes and, uh, look forward to the album and hopefully you get up to Chicago or down to Chicago at some point this year. That's the idea. Thanks, man. All right, everyone. That is Joe Mansman from Joe Mansman and the Midnight Revival Band. 
I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay healthy, stay strong, take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.